Hello, hello, folks. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Joel, and this is the Coaches Rising podcast, in case you didn't know. And we're going to be exploring all things deep transformation, self-actualization, coaching. How can you live a life where you fulfill your greatest potential? Uh, These are all the kinds of topics we'll be exploring. And today's guest, I'm just buzzing because I just got off the of Zoom, talking with him, and it's Oren Harris. Oren is a world expert on flow. He's an incredible speaker, and he's a coach, a transformational coach, works with CEOs, executives, uh, creative entrepreneurs. And I found one of his programs, Soul Speaking. I loved it. And so you'll you'll hear there's a deep resonance between our views We're going to talk today about what does he see as the transformation that we're going through in these times, the invitation that's being made to us, the dojo we're in. And he'll talk about his coaching, how his genius comes online when he surrenders and he opens and something begins to come through him. So we'll talk about how does he get into that kind of space how does he know when he's there and how does he bring it into his coaching how does that way of working work in his coaching with his clients and Oren is also one of the coaches featured in our new online self-study program called inside coaching and we've been sitting on this idea for a few years we've, we've cooked it up now And I'm really proud of it. Basically, what we decided to do was record master coaches coaching people. And then I debrief with them afterwards. I break down, what were you doing? Uh, Why did you ask that question here? And what were you seeing in this moment? So we break that down so that you can learn from them in action, seeing them in action. It's always been one of the most popular parts of our online trainings. And so we thought, why not just create something all about that? So... It's an amazing lineup. Alongside Oren, we have people like Thomas Hubel and Amanda Blake, Jennifer Garvey-Berger, Rick Hansen, Bina Sharma, Jim Dethmer, Wendy Palmer, Peter Hawkins, Stacey Haynes, and some others. If you're interested about that, enrollment's open. You can find out more by heading to coachesrising.com forward slash inside coaching. All right, so let's dive in now. Here's the podcast with Oren Harris. Really great to be with you, Oren. Yeah, likewise. Yeah, we just met, and this is—I think you uh, you have a kind of appreciation of just being in these spaces like this, and me too. So I'm excited to see where we'll go today. Yeah, I think that. I mean, I I enjoy just being that way in life in general, and I also feel that it's very timely for humanities and kind of a a dojo on learning how to be in the unknown, learning how to navigate uncertainty because it's at its peak right now, you know, it's either pushes you into more survival and trying to figure out or kind of pushes you into more of a letting go and a receptivity. So I found myself saying something very similar, like these times are kind of dojo. Yeah. That are inviting us into a new way of being in relationship with our moment by moment experience. And could you just say more about what you see as that invitation, how we're being invited to to kind of be? Yeah. Yeah. So in 
in times of unprecedented change that we're in and really just change in general, but it's at an accelerated rate right now, what it does is it throws billions of people at the same time into the unknown. And one of the uh, reactions to that is to seek for certainty, which is also a resistance to the unknown. And so what I was saying is that humanity at large now is in kind of a dojo or a training and learning how to embrace, navigate, and then eventually, hopefully, feel empowered in the unknown. Whereas maybe before, when things weren't changing as fast or as much or at as large of a scale, then, you know, being in the unknown, embracing the unknown, people could almost chalk up to a kind of like personality trait. Or, you know what I mean? Like, oh, he's a Sagittarius or this person just kind of likes being in the unknown. Now it's everyone's in the invitation on some level, even if they're not consciously thinking of it that way, they're being catalyzed in that way by their mind's inability to uh, grasp enough information or put things together fast enough to accommodate the speed of change and uncertainty. And so it's kind of destabilizing people. And in that destabilization is the invitation. You know, you're either going to fight for your life and grasp for anything that you understand or know, or feel like you can control or a sense of self, or you'll slow down, which will immediately release the resistance to the unknown, which is more than half the battle. Like part of the difficulty of being in the unknown is not just inherent in the fact that we don't know, because the truth is we don't know anyway. We just create the illusion that we know things or that we can predict the future, but we really can't. Anyway, um, so if, if once we slow down, which really just means stop resisting the unknown and trying to outwit it, then it releases the resistance and the resistance in our thought process, which then opens us up to receptivity. And that's one of the, for many people, the unknown benefits of embracing the unknown or the space is your channel opens up to receptivity and information can come in, downloads, intuition becomes more clear. You're just more aware. So you actually, in a sense, have more resources at your disposal when you're open to the unknown And I think most people could agree with that. It's just that few people consciously do an act of like surrender or letting go. And, but I think most people can relate on some level to being forced to let go and whatever it is that they were trying to figure out or hammer on or force, or they're like, I, meaning the identity, this is the mind. This is the one, the the, the part that we're letting go of control. I can't figure it out. And then in that release, even though they were forced in it, into it, most people can relate to something coming out of that. Mm. You know, something beautiful, new information, a new possibility. Even on the most simplistic level, trying to remember someone's name. You're like, oh, what was his name? What was his name? That's the energy of like, that's the tension. And the more you try, the harder you try, the harder it is to remember. Then somehow, some way you choose to go, you know what? F it. Yeah. All right. That's, that's a very simplistic way to describe receptivity opening up, right? Releasing the, the, the tension 
in the trying and efforting, and then the name comes to you. Where does it come from? You're receiving it because your receiving channel is open. Yeah. And I think this will be um, uh, something that we'll talk about in coaching too. Yeah, the same dynamic playing out. But before I ask you about that, it's like it, it, it points to maybe that where do we source ourselves from or as, you know, like right. if we are like, you know, that little kind of self in the head, the thinking self that needs to know and wants to control, um, perhaps that's ill-equipped to kind of do this, uh, to open, to be receptive in the way you're talking about that perhaps part of the invitation in these times is like, how do we source ourselves or who do we source ourselves from in the moment? Um, totally. Totally. Yeah. Even, even, even when we say the word I, like if I have a challenge, a goal, a mission, a project, something, you know, that I'm doing in life, any of us, anytime we say the word I, we're talking about one of two different eyes. We're either talking about I, meaning everything foreign knows and my history and my memories and my knowledge and my wisdom and my experiences and my intellect. That's my toolkit called I. And the people I know that I know that I know, that's my I. So if I say, okay, well, I'm going to try to create, I don't know, world peace. That's one I. When we let go, then the I goes from the little I, the identity, to the big I. You could say the infinite self or the, the we. Now, this includes uh, exponentially more resources and power because that the implications of it are profound because that means all of life. It means extended tribe. It means family. Uh, it means people you've never met before. So if that's the I that's going to try to create world peace. And of course, I'm going to feel more empowered instantly if that's what I actually means. If it means we, then I'm going to feel instantly more empowered and confident. But if it just literally means I and everything, only what I can see in the known and everything that's in my toolkit, then all life has to do is throw me a big enough, a big enough goal or a big enough challenge. And I'm going to feel anxious lack confidence, maybe feel stressed out because it's I that's trying to do it. So I like what you're saying. It's like you're making two, there's two parts of that, isn't it? There's one is like an infinite self you talked about. And then the we, it's like, uh, I'm sourced from the infinite self and from we. Right, right. And that same state of consciousness of the infinite self is the same state of consciousness where we can experience the we, meaning we are all interconnected in this heart field, in this field of consciousness. Now that's only a theory or philosophy until we actually experience it. And so like right now in this moment, anyone listening has an astounding amount of support in all forms right now that is moving from the invisible realm into the visible realm, depending on a lot of factors. One of them is where we're situated. What we're, you know, if we're, if we're sitting in the eye with the open heart, then, then the we that we see, it just, it expands. If we go back into our little corner of eye, then it's like, it goes back into the visible realm. So all the supporters, collaborators, uh, you know, co-collaborators, clients, whatever it is that you're creating, then it, be, it goes back to being invisible to you. 
So that's the other thing that happens when we move into, you know, the heart and connect to spirit and expand our consciousness into this we, then we're a different being. The things we'll say, the things we'll perceive, the things that we'll think of are different. And so it's, it's, it's a vastly different world. So it's like, we, you know. Mm. But what I love about, because a lot of people listening, well, actually, I now know that a lot of the audience are people who just care about waking up or self-actualizing and but there's also a lot of coaches and so like what I and this is what I get from just the the little bit that I know about your work but I think this is the place you're you're coaching from yeah and yeah. you're even saying if we coach from this place then something radically different opens up in the coaching yeah can you say uh, a bit about yeah what what that sparks for you and how you coach like you know you're coaching yeah so Coaching someone, the simplicity of it comes down to intention. The intention to be of highest service is most coaches' intention, right? I want to be of highest service to this person and whatever is most important to them, their goals, their dreams, their challenges, their nightmares, whatever is most important to them, we're in service to that. So we're operating on intention, that's a kind of spiritual force. It's, it's transcendent. It's limitless. Intention itself is. Now, when I bring I into the equation, then to put this in the framework of coaching, then I can utilize everything in my toolkit. This would be everything I studied, everything I've learned, the wisdom of my experiences, you know, understanding of psychology, human behavior, nonverbal behavior, emotional intelligence. These are all of my all of my knowledge and my wisdom that's part of my coaching toolkit it's huge like that's enough to change lives till the till the day we die at a very high level and when we sort of uh expand our eye and open our heart and open ourselves to the infinite, then we also, along with all of our, our tools, we also have infinite intelligence. We have intuition. We have uh, another reservoir of power to serve the intention, right? Um, I'll, gi I'll give a very simple example. I was coaching a guy one day and I asked him a question and he answered the question. And then I asked him the question again. So he's thinking, okay, well, let me say it a little bit more clearly. So he answered it again. And then I asked him the question again. And by this time, he's kind of like looking at me like, did you not hear my answer? And so they, and then he kind of reluctantly answers me again. He's, he answers me. And then I paused and I asked him the question again. And then now his frustration starts bubbling up, right? There's like anger beneath the surface. And he's like, he's he's kind of saying this to me like non-verbally like like what like dude this isn't working right <laughs> it's, it's only upsetting me which on the surface looks counter to the intention of service and the intention of what he was asking me for to specifically serve him on in the moment that's what it appears to be on the surface if i was looking at that through orin and everything that i've studied then nothing i'd studied had shown me that I should keep asking a question that someone's clearly articulately answering me. There's nothing logical about that. It didn't fit into any framework. 
long story short, he does get frustrated. He's like, dude, like, and then has a breakthrough, a massive breakthrough, profound. And he said, he said this to me, I'm not just saying it's profound. It was profound. And then in hindsight, upon reflection, he asked me, he said, he said, that was genius. And he's like, did you know? Did, did you know that was gonna happen? And that's a tricky question because the, the most honest answer is in the moment, I, because I'm not controlling the steering wheel in that way, I didn't know, but a deeper part of me, I, a greater intelligence that could see from a higher perspective could see that, oh, that thing in that moment, in that way, would be the thing, the catalyst to actually create the breakthrough. That's a very simple example of becoming transcendent as a coach. But, but there's a whole, not but, there's a whole lot of, I guess, training that has lent itself to being able to be an open channel such that I would do something and say something like that and service to someone when they're looking at me like, you know, I heard you were an amazing coach, but like, uh, I got misinformed. Do you know what I mean? If I cared anything about being an amazing coach, about being right, about being liked, about, you know, maybe him thinking I'm looking like I'm an asshole, looking like I'm like, if I cared about any of that, then it still wouldn't have been a bad session, but I would have shrunk right back into my eye. Meaning exactly. everything I know, everything I would say, everything I've studied, and then I would only be responding from my toolkit rather than my infinite toolkit, which allows me to be anything, be anyone, say anything in service. That's unconditional love. That's pure service. It's transcendent of self because the self is, needs nothing. There's not a self that needs anything. So pure, pure, pure service can come through. And I'm not saying that when we're operating from our toolkit, our service is impure because, you know, it, it, it is for probably for most really good coaches, but there's a whole other reservoir of service available to us when we expand beyond the box of I am a coach and this is what it means. Right. So is that, is that, I thought it was yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, a good great. example of yeah. how this impacts coaching. And there's so many things like that in my coaching, even in, you know, when I think about like building a coaching practice, I was thinking the other day, I sent a freestyle rap video to a, you know, I, I have this one client sphere that's like the Harvard, Oxford, super intellectual, genius, straight laced type of person right? Who's opening up and who's awakening and who's learning more emotional intelligence, more intuition and expanding in that direction. And they're being been attracted to me more in the last couple of years. And so I sent this freestyle rap video <laughs> to, to, to this guy and he freaking loved it. I'm only using that as another example, because if I was trying to be professional, if I had an idea of what professional meant, then that idea in my mind would be influencing the building of my coaching practice. Whereas what I've discovered is that my ideal clients are actually uniquely designed and coded to receive my particular whatever medicine, in, but in my entirety, not just in my coaching skills, just who I be is what they're resonating with. So 
I'm also an artist, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so trying to compartmentalize or hide parts of myself based upon a mental idea of what professional looks like and what's going to speak to these clients or what's going to deter them puts me back in the eye. That's, right. that's a mind, uh, a belief in the mind of I, but that I've eradicated such things to a large degree from my eye, from my mind structure. Right. Yeah. I, 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 cause I recognize in my own coaching where, you know, like I can get back into that place of being a persona in some way, you know, like I want yeah. to be a good coach. I want to help you. And I, you know, I'm pretty good, you know, in that place. I've been coaching for years and years. And so I do great work there, like you're saying, but I also know in my coaching, you know, when I just surrender and it's like, that's like, I like the word you use the word soul sometimes in, in some of the work I've seen. Cause it, to me, that word soul seems to fit. It's like, something starts to come through and it's like got a totally different energy to it, you know? And it's like, boom. And then it's like electricity. Something starts to, you know, move through us both in the coaching. And that is highly potent. And um, I, I feels like this is something that's waking up in the world right now, because I see more and more people who are like, um, you know, not to denigrate the, the, the self, the ego, the self. It's mm-hmm. like, I don't want to attack any of that. It's right. like in some ways valuable. Also, um, the thinking mind, you know, like not to, it's brought so many gifts, but people seem to be hungry for like this form of surrender where something moves, like the divine, the infinite potential moves through us into oh. our work. Yeah. Oh, totally. It's, it's really human evolution happening and, you know, everything I just expressed within the field of coaching is kind of mirroring a larger evolution that's happening um, on this planet, it, period. E- even if you look at like we've gone from like, you know, the Stone Ages to the whatever age to the Industrial Age to the Information Age, which is very much mind dominated, information rich, and then technology is distributing information at amazing speeds and it's epic. It's absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal that we have that much access to information and knowledge to be used at our disposal to create an amazing life, to problem solve, to do all these different things. And if you just kind of follow that evolution from, you know, industrial age, information age, the next age starts arising and coming years before it's self-evident or before it's a thing that's established like this is the age hello humans we're now in the information age and everybody's like yep pretty much yeah we're here right that off that sometimes an evolution takes years to happen so it happens from the invisible realm to the visible realm so i'm saying all that to say then to ask yourself the question and this is a great question for any leader what's the next age right? If you want to be a leader and a visionary and at the leading edge of this planet, then tune into what's already happening, what's going to happen, what's eventually going to be self-evident and obvious to everyone and lead from that place. So I say that it's the age of inspiration, the age of intuition, the age of spirit. It's the rest of us, right? It's almost like the industrial age is almost like representative of everything physical. It's mechanical. It's like this equals this equals dot, dot, dot. And then it's like, oh, 
boom, we expanded. We have knowledge, information. We understand the mind. Now we're like, we feel infinite now, right? And so that's the mind. So then the next age, it would make sense that the rest of us, the soul, the spirit is now coming on board, right? And that's why, that's what we're describing in, in the coaching it's, it's this expansion of like, hmm, this intelligence, this power, this resource is coming from a different place. This is a real thing. And then it begins to integrate more and more and more and more. And for me, my path has been, uh, has unfolded in such a way. And also deliberately, I've sought to always integrate. And one of the ways that I do that is when I see something and witness something in one area, like coaching, like, oh, this is what happens when I'm really present. I have intention. I have my toolkit, but I'm present. And I'm, this is the effect that it has when I'm coaching people. What effect would that have if I was being that way in my relationship? Mm -hmm. If I was being that way with my health? And I was like, oh, what if I could just be that? And that's how initially how I kind of started hacking uh, flow. And I, I mean, that, that's a whole other subject, but to just really be like, oh, okay, the integrity. If I want to ground more of that infinite presence here on earth in a very real practical way, then I would go in the dojo of asking the question, being the exploration of like, well, if it's a state of being, then I must be able to be that way in my relationship because it's within me. Right. Right. And so that, if you keep playing that picture out is what I'm saying and if we keep multiplying it, then you'll find we're in a completely different age, the age of inspiration. And if you want to look at like, you know, homo sapien, homo, we're like a different entity. Right. What is, what is this? You see what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, we're like a different thing. And that's, that's why even people that are not as familiar with what we're talking about, when they surrender, whether it's voluntary or force, and then it's like intelligence, power, information, connectivity seems to come from nowhere they're even beside themselves going, whoa, where did that come from? It's like, who am I? What is, what is, what is this thing? What am I? That's a new thing. That's like a new human. And <laughs> so it, it is. And so we're, we're birthing new humans in a way. And we're in, in massive growing pains, largely due to fear, which creates a massive tension of resistance between what we know in the self and whatever this thing that's emerging. Mm. that's where a lot of the suffering is, 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 is in the resistance. And to tie it back to the beginning of this conversation, a lot of the resistance is to the unknown, the unknown in a worldly sense, and even the unknown within ourselves. Like, man, what's this feeling? What's going on with my body? What this is emotion. Like, I don't know how to be with whatever it is. And so we're in a kind of metamorphosis. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many things you said there. Um, one thing was like, it sounds like I've been talking about the, the decompartmentalization of my life, you know? So yes. it's like, I give myself permission to live my highest realizations in certain parts of my life, but not my others, you know, like in my relationship or in my coaching, but not with my parents, you know? Right. And I was like, what the fuck? Right? Like, you know, and, but in a way, it's like, it's all part of that process of waking right. up, you know, where it's like suddenly you start to see where you give yourself permission and not. And not. So I've been on that path myself. And um, because it, in the end, it, 
I think it's beautiful what you said. It's like, it comes down to that realization of like, I am this, right. you know? So it's only a mistaken sense of like identity that I'm not this in every part of my life, you know? So I can do that kind of um, unlearning in a sense. And so oh, totally, it, it makes me want to ask you about like, how do you know when you're in that place, you know, where it's like, and I guess the answer is you just know, yeah, like, because it's not about knowing from the mind, you know, you know, but yeah. Yeah, there, there's, there's, there's clues that we can develop a sensitivity to, like, when we're in our natural state, or you could say in flow, or in a state of surrender or receptivity, they're all saying the same thing, essentially. Um, how you witness that in the mind is the mind tends to be more clear, a little bit more quiet how you how it registers in the body is the body feels vibrant it feels alive it feels expansive versus the opposite is it feels contracting right and these are very can be very noticeable very palpable just as much as someone tapping you on your face but that is also a trainable muscle i've trained that to the point that like I was saying something to my girlfriend the other day, she asked me a very innocent, uh, great question and was asking for my uh, support, all right? She was actually at here, this is actually kind of funny, but it, if, if we can see it in the smallest example, we can see it in the biggest example, she's, her birthday was coming up and she planned a pajama party, um, which was epic by the way. <laughs> and she had talked to some of her friends and she said, you know, um, can I share with you like what I want for my birthday or like what, how I'd like to experience my birthday party and what I want for my birthday and everything in me as a human was like, of course, right. It's your birthday. <laughs> but my spirit was like, when I started to conversate with her, I literally felt my body tighten. Mm. And so I'm, I'm accustomed to that. And so I, I then read that I read the signals like, oh, why is my body contracting when I'm entering this conversation to answer such a beautiful, innocent, loving question, right? And I just said to her, I said, you know, babe, I said, I don't think we're supposed to discuss that. And she, she had a little bit of resistance for a second, kind of just like disappointment. And then she embraced it. And then I embraced it. And then I was able to kind of extract more information from it right and this is one of the things we can do if we can read the signal in the body we can also uh, one allow it and we can extract information from it so then my intuition came in more clearly to give a, a pretty good theory about why I said oh maybe it's because right now the season that you're in is a season of letting go and embracing the unknown that's a season that her soul's in. So her life is throwing her all kinds of catalysts to support that. She's not even orchestrating it, but that's the dojo that she's in right now. And she's at the part of it is that as she's letting go, the things that she would have kind of automatically orchestrated for herself on her own behalf, she's getting to see things come mm -hmm. to her that she wouldn't have been able to see before in that space of letting go. And so I said, well, maybe I said, how sweet would it be if whatever you're about to tell me, what if it, and I, when I say, when I hear myself, feel myself say these things, it's almost like supernatural. I, I said, well, I said, babe, just, I said, what if 
whatever you're about to tell me happened and you didn't even have to tell me. And what if it exceeded even what you're saying and it was even better? I said, that's what's possible and what I feel in this moment. I'm not guaranteeing that, but I'm like, that's what I feel. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I invited her to feel that. And she's like, oh, I feel that. So then now we're both on the same page. And then we moved on. Long story short, I mean, just to give you one example, one of the fa- her favorite gifts was she got gifted a, a new guitar from a handful of her friends who are amazing artists. They did the most amazing ceremony and presentation of it at her birthday party. They drew this piece of art. It was epic. And that actually came from one of her friends reached out to me and said, um, do you have any ideas of what she might want for her birthday? And I was like, I plucked that from the ethers. And I was like, because I remember from a long time ago, she was like, oh, I'm going to take a guitar lesson. This is the higher intelligence. It, was, it just came to me. I was like, I said, you know what? A guitar could be awesome. And then I overheard her say a certain type of guitar that she got recommended whenever she was going to be ready to buy one. She got recommended two types of guitars. I just remembered the name. I told my friends or her friends who reached out to me and it was epic. But all of that happened and more in the let go. And so I'm used to tie that back because we went down that rabbit hole a little bit. But what I'm saying is that's an example for me of in my body when the flow of intelligence was registering as a contraction in my body when I even went to have a loving conversation and that's information. And that is something that you can develop a sensitivity by drawing your awareness to how your body feels when you're making certain decisions and kind of just track it, be like, Oh, okay. And then you'll, the more you put your awareness and intention on something, the more clear it becomes. It's like building a muscle. So I recognize that in my mind and in my body and just intuitively. It's like, um, it comes, I think of what you said about with the fear as well. It's like, it seems like one of the things we're being invited to do at least all right, let me, let me own that. I, what I feel called to do is like refine myself as an instrument. And so that I'm metabolizing um, the kind of um, all the ways in which I can't be in the unknown, you know, like that, right. I, that I contract in fear and that my body's kind of patterned. And, um, and so as I do that work to metabolize all that conditioning, it's like, then I start to notice that um, my sense of myself is more and more subtle, you know, more and more vibrant. Yep. And then there's an attunement in that, you know, so it becomes, I think I'm just reiterating what you said. Yeah, like yeah perfect. Becoming more and more sensitized in a sense to like what is coming through in the moment. And um, I can imagine that you, because we haven't talked much about your coaching in the sense of like, you know, you're a coach and you work with mm-hmm. clients and, but I can imagine you work, uh, you, you utilize this with your clients, you know, when, you, when you're with them one-on-one, like you're, you're sensing and, and tuning I, to what you're saying. Yeah, yeah I, absolutely. There's so much information coming to me, not mental information, but it's, it's literally like, you know, being in love. When we're in love, Love is like unity. It's like oneness. We permeate, we become one with whatever we're in love with. So if we're in love with our clients, and I don't mean just love like, hey, I love you, Joel, you're amazing. 
but like if we're in love, if our heart truly is open, which is, is, is a bold thing. Like there's levels to this, right? Everybody go, oh, my heart's open. There's levels to that. We all know that, right? But when your heart, if your heart's truly open and connected in that way, and you're in a surrendered state, then not only are you, are not only are you connected to your true self and your true nature, which means you're connected to nature itself, that's what has you be receptive to the infinite intelligence, but you're also connected to the other person in that way. There's almost like you can become them in a way. Right. And so where, whereas they may have a challenge going on, and so then they're seeking a resolution, but because they're seeking that clarity of information of truth is not registering in their body and in their mind as clarity because they're seeking it. They're in the process of clearing out the noise to come to it. But someone like me who can be them or be at one with them, I have the advantage of not having the distortion because I'm not in the seeking. So I can feel both the distortion, you know, and the clarity at the same time. So if they make even the subtlest move of changing their mind or opening their energy or opening their heart more, or expanding their consciousness or starting to shift a paradigm, it literally, I mean, I'm so used to it. It doesn't seem like anything, but sometimes my, a lot of times my clients are like, what? Like it's, it's so tangible the way that it registers in my body and in my awareness where someone's at and where they're coming from. You know, are they coming from the pattern that they're trying to disrupt or change or are they coming from the true self? And so I, I can help them navigate that journey with pretty immaculate precision, even in the most subtle things or, or the most innocent things like my girl. That's a very good example of navigating a subtlety because there's nothing, there was nothing negative there. Right. But in comparison when we're connected like that, we are attuned to the highest potential. Yeah. That's where the attunement is. And so if you measured it against the highest potential, it's not like it would have been bad if we would have talked about that. It's just that it was better. Right, right. Exactly. You I like saying? that. You're saying that. Yeah. And, and so that's the same thing with my clients. And so I can feel the subtleties. Like I had a, a guy, just as an example, so people can relate to this, a guy who's uh a really powerful CEO. And when COVID first happened, or maybe a couple months, a few months in, he was just like panicking. He was just like under siege is the word he used. His team was like under high, high levels of stress, just without saying exactly who, who the company is, but their position in the public eye, they were being attacked. And so they're like putting out fires. And so he was just in this chaos. And, you know, he comes to me, and in his mind, he's like wanting to become more equipped as a leader to lead his team and to problem solve. What happened, and, and he'd been trying to solve this problem and like bring some sense of clarity and peace and cohesiveness for probably a couple of months. And within minutes, so he comes to me and he's obviously like his, his eye, who's trying to solve the problem, is his body mind, his identity is in a hurry, right? Because he's like, this is really important. I'm in an emergency. And so the first thing I got him to do was just slow down, right? Which was counterintuitive. Anyway, when I asked him how he felt, because he was feeling all these feelings, he thought to himself, he's like, oh, well, I feel frustrated. Like I'm done telling you, I'm frustrated. I feel anxious. I feel overwhelmed. And I got him to connect deeper to his feelings 
And what I could feel immediately, this is just speaking to what you're saying. I could feel, I'm like, wow, there's one point of resistance that he's been resisting for the last, however long he's been trying to solve this problem. I immediately could feel it. It literally just mapped as like, oh, there's just one point. And that point will be the breakthrough point. And what it wound up being was him resisting these three words. And this connects back to the beginning of the conversation. I don't know. Hmm. Because he's a high performer, he's highly capable, that's his skill, that's his asset, that makes him a leader, but he had a kind of childhood trauma that has shame connected to not knowing, which means that if he doesn't know, he just drills harder and harder and harder and harder until he figures it out. But in, in five minutes, really. Because, go ahead. No, in five minutes, really, he released, I helped him release all the resistance to that, feel that for a moment. And then this intuition, this higher intelligence, suddenly he has a brilliant idea that solves the whole thing. That happened in five minutes and he'd been hammering at it for two months. And in five minutes, yeah, five minutes, that one point. I'd love to stay with this example. How, yeah. how did you experience that one point? And what did you do in that five minutes that helped him to shift? You know, like- yeah, I, 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 I love these type of questions. Because, and and I, um, I love the opportunity to explain something that's so nuanced and right. so metaphysical. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty good at it. Let's, let's give it a go. So... I'm gonna start with the most abstract thing that I did. And this could be considered a skill, but it's a state of being. It's only could be considered a skill because it's buildable, it's trainable. It's, and that is one of my greatest assets um, as a coach is my love, my unconditional love that I've cultivated within myself that naturally extends out. You see, so without even saying anything, like whatever transmission, like, right? Yeah, so whatever, whatever, and I'm trying, just trying to explain it. This is the energetic part. And then I'll tell you what I said. I don't want to tell you what I said, because then it'll look like a technique that's going to be missing one of the ingredients. Right. If and when one is in a space of unconditional love, or even if just the thing that your client is going through, you have unconditional love in yourself around that, then you don't have a blind spot. You don't have a resistance to it. Then what your space becomes a permission slip. It's almost like it, it resonates it up out of their subconscious because they're afraid to look at it or they're ashamed, but the love space is almost saying like, Hey, it's okay. Oh, Hey, don't worry about that. You're beautiful. You're I wasn't saying these things to him, but that's the space. So then if I say, Hey, it's okay. Tell me more. It's not the words. It's that I'm looking at him through the eyes of love. Like, like you're, you're a worthy, valuable, beautiful, powerful being who cares Like you don't, you don't know. So what, how does that feel? So that's the main part of the sauce. The rest of it would be what I said how I guided him, the kind of mechanics. And I, I will explain that, but I had to preface it with the, yeah, the, no, great. the, love, love, the love part. Otherwise, anybody that's trying to emulate what it is I'm doing will never keep up. Right. It's like, yeah, I'd say it's not, it's not a technique we're offering here. It's more like, yeah, there, there's like this frequency of, of 
unconditional love, which is permeating the space. He's feeling that even unconsciously. Right. You're, you're coming from everything's coming, emerging out of that in a sense. Right. So unconditional love and presence, which are almost synonymous in some ways and are both cultivatable, they add more influence and power to anything you have in your toolkit. That's why all words are not created equal. You could ask a powerful coaching question and on some level, powerful coaching questions can elicit something like almost predictably, right? So there, there's a certain level of predictable power, but what makes something exponentially more powerful is the state of consciousness that it's being spoken from. And that's something that I realized probably in the first year of coaching. And it first occurred to me of the power of presence. And once I saw how it translated in my ability to be of service, then I doubled down on it and went into like a mastery dojo of like, I'm going to train this and add this along with any knowledge that I have. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, yeah, I, I basically just paraphrasing him. I asked him how, how he felt and he said he felt frustrated. And then, and then when he said, well, I, I don't know. And I said, well, how do you feel about not knowing? He's like, I feel frustrated. So that's the first layer of tension is frustration. But see, even though he was feeling frustrated, he wasn't actually fully feeling frustrated because he was too busy trying to not feel frustrated and being frustrated about being frustrated and caught in a loop. All right. So he's thinking, I, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling frustrated. Like here I am feeling it. I was like, okay, well, just step one. Like, let's just feel that for a moment without trying to solve anything. Right. Just feel it and express it. So we did that for like maybe 60 seconds, but then he got to fully feel the frustration without the frustration being connected to the problem solver who's frustrated to just feel the frustration. So that created a wave. And then that's what then revealed. I said, how do you feel? He's like, that's when the, I don't know came up. He's like, I, he's like, I just, I don't know what to do. And I said, how does that feel? And then that's when it got, it started slowing down even more. I said, how do you feel about not knowing? Like you don't know what to do. You can't figure this out. That has a feeling. I can feel it. And this is, this is how this gift plays out. I can feel what yeah. he's not even feeling. Right. Cause he's just repressing or controlling that feeling. I said, how does it feel to not know what to do? And then it's like the other layer of resistance release. And then the emotion comes forth and he said, you know, I, I guess I feel like a failure. So that for that two month period, all his energy and his efforts and his willpower and everything, part of his infinite power was being used to not feel that one feeling of failure, call it shame. And it's stealing power. So he's right. thinking, you know, and this is what our, our, our cute little egos or selves is like, I'm winning. I, I, like, I'm smart. I'm strong. Let me, let me handle this. Let me handle this. And it's like, we're using a fraction of our power because energy in that sense, energy, consciousness, presence, that emotional backup, that's literal power. It's just occurring this way. So when you penetrate love into that emotional state, then it goes from this repressed, compacted, disempowered, disintegrated energy, shame, and it 
it's like alchemy. And then when it gets liberated, it turns into inspiration, intelligence, wherewithal, all of these things. And then in five minutes, he solves his problem. Yeah. From a very different place. Yeah. That's From a very, di- a very different place. It, and so one of the things I've enjoyed doing with, especially with like visionary entrepreneur, you know, very left brain types, very capable people is taking them through an experience where what could seem like a kind of spiritual ethereal idea, they, they may not connect it to the hyper productivity they're looking for. But when I start making that link with anyone I'm working with, and then they see the physical result, higher productivity, efficiency, results, higher performance, then, and this is only with one type of person. Some people come in completely open to this, but then they're, then I've, I've got them. Not I've got them, but they've, <laughs> yeah. they've got oh, more. Yeah, they're hooked. Like. Then, then they're hooked because now it's, then they're not, then they're not compartmentalized. Like you said, it's not like, oh, here's the spiritual world. Here's the kind of emotional world. And then here's like, you know, handling business. That's operating as a fractured human being, yeah. you see. And so um, that's just an example. But to tie it back to your original question, you know, the, the sensitivity, if I were to just extract the, what's going on in me, it's the sensitivity and the love, but love only increases sensitivity. It increases awareness because the more things we love, the less things we judge, the more our awareness expands. Because otherwise the things we judge, we tend to hide even from ourselves. And so when we hide parts of ourselves from ourselves, it literally is like putting blinders on. We can see our, our field of view is smaller. Yeah. The more we bring love into those areas, not we not only do we feel way better, not only does our body function better, but our awareness expands. And that translates in a real world way to more capability, yeah. more power. Yeah. You That's know, exquisite. so I, I can I can feel that very precisely. I can literally like feel when people are thinking, they don't have to say anything. I can feel thought energy and the right. quality of thoughts, almost quite supernatural uh, most of the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I want to ask you in a moment about um, cultivating that capacity. Um, but just to, just to something that comes up as you shared it, I think this example is beautiful where, you know, as our clients often, they come in and their energy's got kind of trapped. You said this infinite potential, but it's kind of all started... Um, congealing in a sense in certain thought patterns and and personality traits and then it's reified and then boom you know and so one of the things we can do as coaches is um kind of see feel feel that with them acknowledge it help them see that and and then it begins to flow again and and shift and one of the things i hear in what you're saying but i i see this as being like an emerging edge of coaching um is like is um the capacity to be with our experience. So like, you know, like not that you're saying uh, with this guy, it's like, oh, it's bad to be frustrated. We need to, mm. you need to not be frustrated. Yeah. Cause right. no, you're saying like, let's just notice that like, oh, you're frustrated. Like there's just a welcoming of it. Almost like you're uh, scaffolding it with your, your like yeah. infinite, with this love you feel. And then there's like dropping the change agenda, you know, like it could be easy for him to come in from that place and go, I need to fix this, you know? Right. But like, you're not playing that game with him. It's like you, you drop that change agenda and um, presence 
kind of opens things up and then change begins to happen, but not from that place that most of us try and make change happen from, you know, which is that kind of. Totally. And I, yeah, I I do think that when you say it, that it is emergent for sure. You know, it's, it's that whatever, however we're describing this new space, because even, even mindset, like obviously mindset is incredibly powerful. Like the structure of belief, if you, know how to install or uninstall beliefs and change your mindset and change your perception and change your worldview and your view of yourself, you're, you're, you're excelling. You're in the top probably 1%, but even there, that there's more to it is all that I'm saying, you know, mm-hmm. um, because what exists beyond mindset we do. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? But the rest of us, like what, 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 what is there? If, if I took all the software off of my computer like the computer's still there, right? I install a program on my computer, you know, Adobe Photoshop, and I start playing it with it, and, it is, and it's infinite within itself, but it's still a software program. And so it's like, what's more powerful, the software program or the thing that's animating and empowering the software program? That's the, that's the big reveal. That's the, the new thing right there is just realizing that, I mean, that's, that's a massive paradigm shift. Just as much of a massive paradigm shift as when, Mindset, whenever mindset and the power of the mind really took hold way back when, yeah. right? Is yeah. that what's more powerful than the mind, right? right? What, what is beyond the mind, right? If we're not our minds. And so to me, even mindset, it's like you can build your mindset. And I think that's a great practice, but also get out of the mind realize start to realize and awaken who you are beyond the mind and then you have even more control of the mind which is the whole but when you try to control the mind from inside the mind then you're still inside the program to some degree just getting more sophisticated within the program itself but it's like what happens when you like get outside of the program altogether yeah you of course that's of course that's going to be more powerful it's like the genie, the genie and the wishes. Yeah, it's like, oh my God, we have wishes. Okay, but what if you were the genie? You'd have unlimited wishes. Because I think one of the pitfalls of like the mindset game is that in some way it can be utilized in, in like avoiding our sense of precariousness, you know, or, yeah. um, you know, it's like, it's some way it's like, oh, I'm going to master my mindset, you know, because it's like, uh, it's a scary world out there. You know, I want to be powerful, and so I'm going to master myself, you know, and we get in that game, but we're, you know, what's out of view is just that we feel in some ways like inadequate or, um, you know, like, uh, what's the word I want to use? It's like, we're, we're very, um, paper thin in some way, you know, yeah. like, and so I think it, it's a scary shift, but a powerful one to begin to open to what's beyond the mind, you know, because. Yeah. And even, even how you did that, opening motion it's like there's mindset there's heart set and there's soul set this this is what i mean when i say what's the next age beyond the information age which is predominantly speaking to the mind you know which is which is only one piece of the the you know the totality of of who we are it's an incredible piece but it's it's just one it's just one part of the equation yeah I, um, I want to ask you about like your journey and how you've refined yourself, you know, cause I think there's valuable 
mm, sure. lessons. What I like is it's like, it's, you know, I get the sense this is part of your unique genius. And I'm hearing that you've just refined this. You did, you made a commitment to it. So totally. like, yeah. Can you tell us about yeah, that? The, I mean, there's so many landmark periods of my life that contribute to everything that I'm speaking with you about. One of them is, is the first one's coming to me is that I realized a long time ago, maybe like a decade, maybe like 15 years ago, that people pleasing was like a virus. And I was like, wow, almost everybody has it. And may not even know they have it. And I don't mean people pleasing in the loving, caring about one another. I mean, in the self-negating fear-based type of ways, you know, the subtle ways that we people please. I, I realized that it was an effort to seek approval and love of which I could never sustain. So I decided upon realizing that I decided to opt out of it and discover what's beyond it because I started to experience more pain in doing it than the pain of the perceived pain of not doing it. Right. Which would be like, Oh, fear, fear of rejection, fear of abandonment, fear of being disapproved of being judged, being scrutinized, being whatever. So I decided to go in the other direction and this phrase came to me that really, I don't even know where it came from. It came from inside me. And it was, I would rather betray the world than betray my own soul, my own heart. Not that I want to betray anybody in a negative sense, but I would rather be my true authentic self and feel an integrity with that and feel honored. Like I can honor and respect myself even if it means somebody's going to misperceive me or that's going to like rub someone the wrong way, I would rather choose that because trying to continually manipulate myself or alter myself to varying degrees in order to fit in or in order to seek love and approval started to feel like that feels like a prison. That's a slow internal death because it comes at the expense of the fullness of my legacy of the fullness of me living my life. That's the trade-off there. It's like, oh, trade a little bit of comfort for an internal experience that becomes increasingly more like hell. And I, and people pleasing for me was the first kind of thing that showed up as recognizing, oh, there's all of these kind of conditioned automatic behaviors. And so that was one kind of landmark period of my life. And so it wasn't like instantly easy, but because from my soul, I committed to being the opposite of that, which was being true, being true to myself, being my authentic self. Then I got to, you know, go through the uncomfortability, which was like this own, this like this alchemical process, right? Whatever it was that I was unconsciously avoiding moments of disapproval, moments of whatever, then now got louder, but because I wasn't resisting it, then the alchemy was able to start happening. Right. And then I was able to, to like be with those feelings and realize one, I'm not dying Two, It's not as intense when I'm choosing it and I'm not resisting it. And three, wow, these, these energies start to transmute themselves. And then I started to see positive results. And, and with first one with just like the deepening of love of myself. And I was like, Oh, self-love. Oh, this is self-love in action. Mm -hmm. Me living my truth, speaking my truth, my heart's truth, you know, 
oh, so then I was like, oh, I'm actually building deeper self-love. And then, you know, all these other unexpected things that I wasn't seeking, like my sensitivity expanded, my awareness of things expanded because I wasn't using my power and my consciousness to protect myself from life in that way. Mm-hmm. So that energy that was being used in protection, even unconsciously, it returned to me as clarity, awareness, heightened intuition, heightened sensitivity. That was unexpected. So then I was like, oh, wow, my body feels better. I feel better about myself. My relationships are actually improving, even though I was afraid that they're, you know, might, it, it might be difficult. My relationships are starting to improve. And then I'm like, wow, and my, my, my awareness and sensitivity is expanding. So then once I started realizing these things more consciously about self-love, about my body, then I was like, ooh, I'm going to double down on this. So then I had a positive experiential reference point for something that was initially very uncomfortable to do that felt negative. Now I had a positive reference point. And so it's like a death and rebirth. And so I'm just using that one example because I feel like there's so many subtle, unconscious, seemingly harmless ways that we people please that we're so conditioned to respond to the world um, that it, it takes up an enormous amount of bandwidth for most of us. Mm. You know, bandwidth meaning like power, potential. And so that was one of many like landmark type, type of events. And then I had also uh, just like spiritual awakenings that weren't planned. Like I had a, what I would call now a spiritual awakening as a result of a relationship going bad and me having such a strong desire to fix the relationship, but things got so bad, like her, her, not even just so bad between us, but like events that happened, like her father passed away and he was like her best friend, uh, her, it was a white woman and her family was not supportive of interracial dating. So our relationship was kind of like a secret to them. And then uh, she winds up getting pregnant and then she's like, Oh, this will, I'll, I'll die. So she's like, she she gets an abortion. So then she was depressed about that. Our relationship got intense and that catalyzed a spontaneous kind of awakening beyond the matrix. Right. You know, it's, it, it was one of those things where, it was way too much for me to handle. And so it was a kind of forced surrender that expanded my consciousness. And then suddenly I could see everything more clearly. And I was like, Oh, wow. I could see myself. I could see her. I could see, you know, how we're generating some of the suffering. I could see the, I could see, and I'm like, Oh, interesting. So a lot of things happened in my path that way as a result of life, even more so than anything that I read. And then in that period of time, I came across the power of now. And it was, it was great because I had already started to experience what the guy was, Eckhart Tolle was talking about in the book. I was like, oh, so then I had like a, some knowledge to, to go with my experience. I had experiential knowledge because I was in it. And so I knew, but I didn't necessarily have, I wasn't, you know, articulating words about it. So then when I heard that, I was like, Oh, that's what happened to this guy. That's what's happening to me. Mm, beautiful. You know, and then, I mean, I can tell you one other s- significant event is that when I decided to start coaching, which really only happened as a result of a, a revelation, I've had a lot of things revealed to me that I wasn't seeking, even coaching. 
I, I had a business and I, I had lunch with this lady and I said, you know what you uh, just picking her brain for like success tips. And she listed a bunch of things and she said, most of all my coach. And I had been a sports coach and coached sports for four years and taught school. It's the only job I, I've had traditionally speaking. And I'd heard of life coaching or like that, but I didn't really know what it was about. And I went to go see this coach. I did a session, I had a breakthrough. And then I, I realized I'm like this guy. And so then I decided to be a coach. I literally just like, oh, I am that. That's part of that. The essence of coaching had been following me my whole life. Even when I was a teenager and, you know, being a teenager, I was like the Oracle. I was the go-to guy. I was like, oh, people have always been drawn to me. Here's something that directly expresses that. So I decided I'm a coach. That's how I got into coaching. And then I repeated my strategy. I had lunch with a, a friend of mine who was coaching for Tony Robbins at the time and another friend of his that were both successful coaches. And I said, you know, any tips on, I'm a new coach building your coaching practice. And they said, well, if you're a great speaker, that's a great way to build a coaching practice. So I was like, mm -hmm. really? Okay. I did the first thing I could think of. I went to Toastmasters. I was like, maybe I'll learn to speak. And yeah, I think you heard this story. Before. I, yeah. I love this story. Yeah. It's yeah. It's like, maybe I'll, I'll learn to speak. I go to this Toastmasters meeting. I sign up to do my first talk, my icebreaker. I go home, I'm writing out the talk. It's called, who am I? I'm getting nervous, anxious. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to show up, do my first talk, but I don't, I'm not feeling the speaking thing. And I got to a point where I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm not going to try to do a good talk. I just want to go speak from my heart, be myself, get it over with. And I said this prayer and I was like, dear God, I give this talk to you. That's it. I give this to the space inside myself where I'm most authentically myself. I'm not interested in the mechanics. I, first of all, I'd only been in one meeting, so it's not like I learned anything much other than why I'd seen other speakers. And that's the stuff I was doing. Like, you know, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? You know what I mean? Pacing around, trying to be like, and I was like, this is bananas. Forget it. Lo and behold, I get up there. I take my time. I do the talk. I get a standing ovation. And then I had another revelation. And the revelation was this. It wasn't what people were saying to me because I was getting all these amazing compliments from people and people were just like, wow, oh my God, wow, that was incredible. Almost like they were trying to figure out what happened. And so I was just humbly receiving it to the best of my ability. But then when I went home and I meditated on it, I realized, I was like, what, what, what is this? And then I remembered time in, times in sports of being in the zone. It's like time slowed down, you know, my heightened senses, performance ability off the charts. I was like, oh, this is like that. It's like the zone, which I now call the flow. And the other realization was everybody on the planet just wants to be themselves at the end of the day. And because I was willing to do that, I was, able, I was connected to my heart and connected to spirit. So I transcended their mind. It wasn't what I was saying is where I was saying it from. And it was right. activating that inside of them. That's what they felt. So then I was like, oh, that's what speaking is. I am that. Obviously, I didn't because I didn't try to create that. So then that's how I got into speaking. Um, but that was another uh, significant point in my path. And then I was like, I want to live my life like this. What would it be like if I lived my life like this? So I started kind of extracting the fundamental principles of what allowed that to happen. And, um, and that's how I got into speaking about and being an authority on flow.
and flow states. <laughs> I, I, what I really like about what you shared is um, that, you know, you, we use the word soul and it feels like that, you know, you've had these revelations and somehow like they, you weren't seeking them, you know, they came to you and um, like, that's so true, huh? Like, and um, what I appreciate, appreciate about you is you were willing to follow them because I don't think everybody does that, you know? Right. Um, for but, sure. But it's like that that's such a potent way that we grow, I think. And, it, and I think it, it mirrors what we're saying about coaching, isn't it? It's like, you know, in our minds, we can we can get into like, I'm going to be this and that. But it's often life is growing us and we can kind of say yes to it, you know, in a certain way because we feel it on a deep level. Totally. And we just, you know, pay attention and and, and listen, you know, and, and be curious. You know, I, I would attribute my curiosity probably to my mom and not even that she built that in me so much as she didn't build it out of me, mm. you know? So I, I maintain my ability to be curious and ask questions. I like when I was a little kid, I would just be why, but why? Okay, but why? Well, why? And, you know, probably a little pain in the ass, but it really, in, in the end, it really wound up serving me because it helped me remember my who I am it helped me learn how I learn right so I, I did pretty good in school mostly because I was fairly smart but charming enough to get through mm. you know because I wasn't that I wasn't that inspired mm. but when I started having like awakenings and remembering then I was like I actually love learning you know, especially when I'm learning in the way that I learn best. And so that's what then kind of like revealed my unique genius to me, you know. Um, and then everything I would dis discover along the way, I would just keep like building on, on that, you know, building on that. Um, so, yeah combination of different things a lot of it catalyzed by life and being willing to engage life very deeply and myself very deeply and and because you'll get real information by meeting mm. moment meeting life head on in that way and um yeah and then it just continued to expand there and then i you know eventually my I guess my teachings and my work became a kind of hybrid of self-realization and self-actualization. And so then I, I started noticing that I'm a bridge and I'm, I'm really creating like harmony and integration between things that seem to be opposite because I discovered the unity of them inside myself, masculine, feminine, intellect, intuition, infinite, finite, timelessness, time, flow, structure, you know, these are all things that people compartmentalize to varying degrees. And, and that's why I'm a bridge is, is because I've deepened and coming to reveal to myself the unity of, of things, the unity within different parts of myself, the unity between these different things. And so it allows me to have a, a more holistic perspective on things. Is it just um is that does that work and i i'm realize we have to wrap wrap up in a minute but um 
just this catches me, you know, and we have to have a whole conversation on flow, by the way, if you're up for that, because we have, yeah. really, I mean, I know in a way a lot of what we've been talking about probably maps on, but I'd love to talk with you about that. But this thing okay. about, because for me, I'm really into this, like almost like working tantrically with uh, poles at the moment, you know, like in the way yeah. we talked about today in the sense of like, you know, orienting towards one, perhaps negating the other, but actually um with presence being able to um hold the 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 sense the sensation of both yeah so that's where it's like really potent for me it's not just on that conceptual level but on the level of like what we talked about with where is there tension and constriction and where can i conduct the poles you know and so um i don't know i'll just follow it back to you and see if that sparks anything yeah that that to me you know, working with both or working within paradox or within things that seem opposite is very leading edge right now in terms of being a human and, and, and on, on this planet. And the deconstruction that's happening negatively, really, if you look deeper into it, it's trying to reconstruct and bring more unity to things. So we're being forced to, and then some of us are intentionally uncompartmentalizing ourselves. You know, maybe we might compartmentalize our focus, but that's, that's fine. You know, just meaning like if I'm in a, you know, a business meeting, I might not break out and do a lap dance. You know what I mean? Like I'm <laughs> I mean, distracting, but it's more of the internal compartmentalization of different parts of ourselves, different parts of our consciousness that are coming back together. Right. And so the ability to, I like one of these definitions of genius is the ability to hold two seemingly opposing positions in your mind at the same time and still retain the ability to function. Right. And I think that when we don't resist that and we lean into it and we release the resistance, then we, we get higher levels of harmony revealed to us. And then we can more in a practical sense, dance with both of them but trying to dance with both of them from the imbalance is what's hard. So it's, it's like, if you go, you know, I'm trying to like, I get this sometimes, or I know a lot of people think this is like, yeah, or, and I get intuition, but, and wherever we say, but we're projecting a separation. It's like, but, you know, you know, that only works to a point or it might conflict with intellect or it might be at some point, So what I'm saying, what I'm saying is, is that if we inherently believe consciously or unconsciously that certain ideas are opposing one another, then that very belief and perception is going to influence our, how we, how we proceed. So trying to find how they dance together, you kind of have to explore it or surrender into it before you can get that revealed. Otherwise you can't find the balance point from the perspective of the imbalance. Exactly. Then you have exactly. to manage and you have to just manage. You go, okay, right. now I'm here. Now I'm here. Now I'm doing this. Now I'm doing this. I'm meditating. Now I'm at work. You know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, but, but what does it look like to be both? Right. You know, and, and, and that's why I like using examples of working with people where, where two things are occurring at the same time. It's like, it's like with business, when I get into the quote unquote practical action steps of my business and start utilizing the mind and logic, I'm doing so in such a way where my receptivity stays open. And so then 
intelligence is still informing and dancing with my logic and my action versus like I'm open here, but now it's logic time and the eye takes over. It's like, what does it look like to, to sense at the same time? It's like, I come into this. That's why it's great to come in, you know, with few internal expectations or to be open. We come into a podcast, for example, now we're coming into time and space. We schedule the time. And even if we said, Hey, this is going to be the theme of it. And we talked about it. If we can have that focus and that intention and even have line items. And this is the, 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 the sauce is that, and at the same time, be humble and open and receptive and be like, we don't know what's going to be best. Those can coexist. Right. Right. It doesn't. So, 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 but often people separate them. So either they have, you know, a detailed control agenda of everything, or they're like, you know, let's do nothing. And it's like, but to me, I'm most interested in where's the convergence point. How do you dance with that? More of like a, a flow of like, okay, here I'm, I'm in the silence and the emptiness. Oh, information's coming in, you know, through the feminine channel. Oh, now it's time to act on it. Yeah, sweet. And so you're listening for that in your clients, yeah? Like perhaps where they've preferenced one side of things and they're, you know, with that but example, you know, like like, intuition is great, but, you know, in the business So you can then presumably in that conversation maybe presence that, you know, presence where they might be in resistance. Oh, totally. Like I have a client who's a marketing genius and he's built a super successful business, several of them had an awakening and in his awakening his you know he's kind of re i guess reviewed his life and he's like well who am i now what do i want to create now i'm just using this as an example and so he did a kind of pendulum swing because he'd been on autopilot with his previous identity as a marketing guru and utilizing his gifts in that way so when he had an awakening of heart and of consciousness, he expands beyond that. So he's like, wow, I'm this, this new being. What am I interested in now? And so it benefited him for a period of time to take some of his attention off of being so engaged in the way that he had been. And so um, I, I was supporting him through that. Then, you know, new energy, new inspiration, new levels of power are accessible to him now. And he's like wanting to unleash his gifts naturally into the world. But his only reference point was the past, mm-hmm. right? But he's like, but when he felt into the past, he's like, why does that not feel good? Like, that's my, that's my, that's what I've, I loved for so long. And I said, well, because you've transformed your identity, right. but the essence of who you be and your gifts and and like the pure essence of it is still alive. So then I help him kind of recreate his world from the new state of consciousness. Mm. You know? Um, so anyway, that's just that's just an, an, an example so that he's not so compartmentalized, like, oh, I was here and then now I'm here. now I'm here. Right. And it's like, well, what is it? No, it's, 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 a, it's a blend. And that's a very powerful thing to do in helping someone transition to like the next level of their business or into an entirely different art form. One of the things I found to be helpful in coaching is to t- help them zoom out and be like, okay, marketing, you did all these things, but what is your natural genius and resonance that 
was fueling into that because that gets to transition and transform into another form. Yeah, yeah. That's where that thing for soul for me, like it's been with us our whole life, you know, and it, and it keeps transforming into bigger expressions, more free, liberated expressions, perhaps. And um, I just thought as well, like the leading edge for me of this like pole stuff is like, I think we've, um, you know, with the mind, we've done polarity work, you know, in developmental psychology and, and mm-hmm. Barry Johnson's work. But it's like, for me, it's like this edge of like, almost like working tantrically with it in leadership. Now it's like the energy of poles. So not just in our minds, but like, can we, can we conduct and transmute the energy of the poles from, from that bigger hole, you know? So, yeah, that's um, powerful, man. That's, mm. that's, that's fabulous. Mm. I, I'm really glad you're working on that. That, that's, <laughs> uh, that's really potent. And, and at, at some point, you know, in one way or another, it's almost predictable that at some point more people will be working on that. Right. It'll, it'll, the, 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 the unfoldment of their life will catalyze them in some way to them that will suddenly be in their awareness. Just the same way, like you said, mindset, maybe some people are still like on the, they're just at that point where like they're on the mindset thing. Right. But at some point, they'll be stumbling on, they'll stumble into or find or into it or see an example. And they'll be like, hmm, I'm working with the poles more tantrically. Right. You know? um, and so that's a kind of, that's what I mean when I say it's leading edge, just meaning like when I look at humanity as, as a whole, um, that's an emergent, that's a very emergent thing. So it's, it feels, it's very leading edge, Yeah. you know, and it's, it's, it's kind of, reveals who we're becoming in a way you know what i mean yeah that's exciting huh? it is it's, su- it's super <laughs> exciting it's yeah we there's what, what i see i mean i we're becoming a kind of like meta species in a way and like our it's kind of like when you see birds flying in formation and they fly together effortlessly and they can kind of go off and do their own thing and come right back in. But when they're flying together, it's like many bodies, one consciousness, one mind. Nature is always showing us our potential. And so I feel like as we expand our, our hearts and we feel more safe in the unknown and safe within ourselves and we see each other more clearly and we kind of release these, you know, barriers between ourselves really that reflect in the barriers between each other and our consciousness expands, then things that nature does effortlessly, you'll start seeing that happen with humans. It's already happening. You know, it's just probably takes a lot of work for most people or, or a conditioned environment, like a, a drum circle, you know, or something that's non-threatening or a sports team that's focused in on winning a championship. And there's just enough surrender combined with whatever that's like, then suddenly you see this group flow state, you know, you see this group intelligence where it's like it's not just my intelligence i'm connected to you so whatever is moving through you is also mine anyway just give me a snapshot of like yeah a future civilization well that that's a um collective intelligence group flow is a big uh, i i just see that being a topic that's suddenly become very interesting for a lot of people so yeah i think it's, it's, you know, yeah yeah it's gonna it's gonna continue to grow yeah. and i'm ex- i'm excited about that 
Well, I'm. Uh, I just want to say a big thanks, Aaron. Um, yeah, my pleasure. Kind of about flow, but I just I thoroughly enjoyed being with you and this conversation. You know, uh, likewise, so delightful. Likewise, likewise. I really enjoyed it, man. Thank you for having me. Much. Where, where can we find out about you? Like, uh, you know, people listening. Like they sure. Listen. My my website is orenharris.com. That's O R E N. H-A-R-R-I-S.com. And I'm Oren Harris on Instagram. Uh, I'm pretty active with sharing content um, on Instagram. And I'm also Oren Harris on Facebook. So those are the three main places to connect with me. Okay, here we are. We're at the end. I just want to take a minute to tell you again about Inside Coaching. It's our new self-study program. It's the first time we're doing this. It's called Inside Coaching. And we basically decided to record master coaches coaching people and then I debrief with them afterwards and I asked them, why did you do that? How did you ask that question? Uh, what were you seeing in that moment? And so we kind of break down everything they're doing so that you can learn from them and see how they work. So Incredible coaches are joining us for this. We've got an amazing lineup alongside Orin. We've got people like Thomas Hubel, Amanda Blake, Rick Hansen, Jennifer Garvey-Berger, Bina Sharma, Jim Dethmer, Wendy Palmer, Peter Hawkins, Stacey Haynes, and some others. So uh, I really recommend you check this out. We'll be releasing one module a week where you'll get the coaching session, the debrief. Uh, we put some uh, coaching move videos together. So you can learn in bite-sized chunks and we've created transcripts and workbooks. So to find out more about this, you can head to coachesrising.com forward slash inside coaching. All right. See you next time.